Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the BU Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter. Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment to share how I host my podcast using Anchor. It's free and easy to use. You can record and edit using your phone or computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's super easy to use, and they do the work for you. I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on to the show. In this episode, I got the opportunity to speak with Vanessa Joy Walker, and not to be too corny, but speaking with her was such a joy. As an adopted child, cancer survivor, and abuse survivor, she has an incredible story to share. And in this interview, we talk about her story and how to shift your perspective during challenging times and her new book, Make Room for Joy. You are going to love this conversation. Uh, well, thanks so much for being here today, uh, Vanessa. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me and inviting me to chat with you. Um, my name is Vanessa Joy Walker, and Joy is my middle name. It was uh, my given name, uh, although, uh, you know, I have a lot of different names. It wasn't my first name. I'm adopted, so my first name was Carrie Ann. But my second parents, um, the parents that raised me, my mom and dad, uh, they named me Vanessa Joy. Um, And, uh, you know, I think that it's taken me a lifetime. Uh, I just turned 45 years old. And it's taken me up until this, this year, really, to fully understand the significance of that middle name that was gifted to me so many years ago. Uh, I am a two-time cancer survivor. Um, I also have struggled with infertility and been through a journey of surrogacy and miscarriage and divorce and uh, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Um, And as you as I told you I am I'm also adopted. So I've had a very interesting and full life, even though I'm only 45 years old. I, my husband always says that my life is like the perfect, um, you know, lifetime miniseries. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm not sure if that's a compliment, honey, or not. And now you're a part of that lifetime miniseries. So I don't know what you're saying, telling, telling people about yourself. But um, I mean, hopefully you guys have a like romantic little story of how you got together, and then it would right. be like a super lifetime movie. <laughs> exactly. We know. We yes, he definitely contributes to the lifetime movie. He's a he's a great guy. I would say that he's my courageous, comedic caregiver. So Aww. he he has this great ability to find the funny in every moment. Sometimes. Sometimes to a fault. I also I yeah. also say that he is the most honest person I know. So don't ask him if you look fat in that because he will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I appreciate that transparency and that honesty. Um, it's it's a great thing to have. So I have a background in music. Actually, I was a, a opera singer, um, which oh, wow. a lot of people find fascinating. Um, and I also have uh, 
a background in communications and operations. I, I believe that communicating is my ultimate coping mechanism. Um, mm-hmm. It's my oversharing is my gift. And I just feel like communication is, it's such an important uh, part of how we connect with each other, with ourselves, with our faith, uh, with the world. And it is the cornerstone to creating uh, meaningful relationships and growing because uh, without that exchange of information and ideas and care and concern and empathy, um, we'd be so isolated. So communication is really important. Um, I am an adversity uh, and crisis coach. I love the idea of helping people to reframe crisis, whether it's cancer or um, loss or divorce or a change in lifestyle or job, um, to kind of pivot their perspective on the uncertainty and really find the possibilities that are embedded in the problems. Um, mm-hmm. And I really do believe that everyone has the opportunity to choose joy, even when they are wading through sorrow. And there are a lot yeah. of people wading through sorrow right now. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. That's a little bit about who I am. I am a dog mommy um, to, uh, to Pepper Joy. And yes, Pepper Joy Walker does have her own Instagram account. Um <laughs> She is followed by all of about 70 people, uh, close friends of mine, <laughs> who indulge me in every photo and video that I share of my, my <laughs> dear daughter, Pepper. Um, Aww, I love dogs. So I was like, I will make it 71. <laughs> that's great. Wonderful. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, Wow, you have such a background. <laughs> it really is like a lifetime story, and it's amazing. Like, there's so much to unpack. Um, but I think one of the first things that I kind of want to start with is uh, joy. And as your middle name, um, you, you said that you just kind of are finally realizing the significance of that. Um, I'm curious, did your parents, do you know why your parents chose the middle name Joy? Do you have any story on that? Yeah, you know, I, my mom, um, Elsie, Miss Elsie, she struggled with infertility for many years uh, and really uh, struggled with miscarriage um, and loss and grief in a very isolated and quiet manner. Back then, um, people really didn't talk about it. I mean, people barely talk about it now. But people really yeah. didn't talk about it back then. I mean, it was this unspoken um, burden that women were kind of supposed to just carry on their own. And so she had been struggling for many years, and they, you know, they had waited to adopt for many years, and they had the blessing of adopting my brother less than two years before me. And I actually was not intended uh, originally to be adopted. My first mom, 
my biological mm -hmm. mom. Just so you know, I call my my mom's mom number one and mom number two. It doesn't mean one's more important. It's just the um, my first mom is the one that birthed me. My second mom is the one that raised me. Uh, yeah. So my first mom, um, she intended on keeping me uh, really up until, from my understanding, up until she was uh, in the hospital with me after I was born and and speaking with a social worker there and that's when she made the decision to give me up for adoption and yeah. uh, the the person who was working with her knew of my parents through I'm not exactly sure how uh, it was a uh, my parents didn't live too far away from where I was actually born and um, my first mom had said, I will give my daughter up uh, if you can find her a good Christian home by Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And I was born on October 22nd. Um, and so getting me into a home by Christmas wasn't necessarily going to be the easiest thing because in Canada, everything goes through, back then everything went through the government, these adoptions. But my parents had actually just adopted, and so they were already in the system, and they knew that my parents, my dad was a pastor, and so they called my parents up and said, would you like a little girl? And yeah. within a couple of months, they had an unexpected bundle, me, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was named after a... A friend of theirs had a, a daughter that used to visit my parents all the time in their apartment when they were in, in college and um, I think probably brought a lot of comfort and joy to my family to my mom and my dad um, when they were hoping to have their own family um, yeah. and her and so I was a, originally named after her but also the idea that I was really this gift of joy. Um, I, I talk about in my book, Make Room for Joy, that I was, I was both the crisis and the gift. I was the mm -hmm. crisis for one mom and the gift of joy for another. And that's an, an interesting relationship, uh, yeah. but it's complicated, but it's also very beautiful. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I really love that story behind your name and just, I mean, the things that your mom went through, it's, it's almost like it's kind of gone full circle, especially, yeah. you know, because it's, you know, she couldn't really talk about those things, but now here you are sharing your story and the fact that you really love communicating. And I think that's just so important for people to be a little bit more vulnerable so people can hear mm -hmm. each other's stories and know like, oh, I'm not the only one going through this thing. And yeah, I just think that's like really cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love, you know, I think that you highlighted something so important there. Um, this idea of, our, you know, our stories are so important. And, and of course, with social media and, you know, blogging and all the all of the opportunities we have now to share our story, there is still a tendency for us to filter everything before it goes out. And so 
highlighting or amplifying what you just said, that idea of having a vulnerability to the way we share is vital and essential if we're going to connect at a really deep level because, um, you know, your story is your story and my story is my story and, and they're just, they're just, story, you know, two of many, many, many stories. But, right. you know, the hope is, is that by sharing with a level of vulnerability, um, we can both connect with other people in the world and also inspire other people to see their own journeys differently. Yeah, definitely. And so, and tell me more about uh, your book, Make Room for Joy. Oh, yes. I, uh, man, I always tell everyone, if you feel like you're supposed to write a book, think about that again. <laughs> like, <laughs> really be sure. <laughs> because um, it, you know, I, I really did not want to write this book. And yeah. it, was, it was years and years and years in the making because I wanted to do everything I could to have someone else share my story for me because the the thought of trying to articulate in words all of the things that I've been through was really overwhelming. And the actual process of writing it turned out to be really overwhelming. Um, my anxiety increased and my therapist was like, uh, yeah, of course your anxiety increased because you're forcing yourself to go back to some of the most, uh, desperate and dismal times in your life so that you can share something that's really authentic and genuine. Um, so it was a difficult process, but uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine called me up who I had not spoken to in a really, really long time. And uh, she said, you know, you were just on my heart and I really need to share something with you. Would you mind, you know, can we meet for lunch? So I said, sure, it'd be great to see you. We met for lunch and she proceeded to tell me that uh, God had really told her that she was supposed to reach out to me and tell me that I was supposed to write my story and that I was supposed to tell my story. And this, just so you know, this woman that reached out to me, she herself was actually a, a very accomplished writer. And so it was, it was a little, I was taken back, uh, taken yeah. aback, definitely. Um, and also the timing of it was so interesting because I had begin to feel really uncomfortable with where I was in life. And I was like, I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to be doing and, you know, what's next for me. And, um, but I had never, I loved to write, but I had never seen myself as a writer. I wrote more for myself and not for others. Right. Uh, and so I took that and, started this journey of beginning to be more intentional about writing my journey down, writing my, just writing anything. And so I began to write and write and write. And through that, I met um, 
some people and uh, a friend of mine introduced me to uh, a group of people that decided they wanted to help me write this book. Uh, a kind of a, it's like a book, they help people kind of coordinate their ideas and, and the whole process of book writing, which is a lot. Yeah. So I got really intentional about it and began to write. And and the thing is with this idea of make room for joy is that I always talked a lot about joy. Uh, so I felt like it was, I knew that this book was going to center around that. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't want to write a traditional memoir. Um Part of that was because I had some self-doubt. I thought to myself, well, listen, who, who cares about me? Who cares about my story? You know, I'm not famous. I'm not an influencer. You know, I don't have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. So, like, who, you know, who really wants to hear my story? But yeah. the other side of that was I really want people to not – just understand the crazy details of my journey, but I really want people to listen to my story, hear my journey, but see their own journeys differently. I have met so many people over the years um, who are living a very hopeless life. Um, And I don't want to see anyone live without hope because hope is hope is essential if you are going to position yourself to choose joy it's an essential part of the process of choosing joy and it's the combination of choosing hope and experiencing joy really kept me alive during the, the yeah. most difficult times of my life. And as I was writing this book, I realized that I, I always, I kept saying, you know, you just got to make room for it. And sometimes making room for it means you've got to cut some things out and you have to dig deep into the pain so you can remove that pain and replace it with joy and peace and love and self-acceptance. Uh, and, and so it came about um, kind of organically. And when my editor said, you know, I think the name of the book is Make Room for Joy, mm-hmm. I immediately said, yes, you're right. That is it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just like so amazing. I love how everything just came together for you. Mm-hmm. And that's just like such a sign that you were meant to write this book and it's meant to help people. Um, I just love when things kind of align like that, especially when you have some resistance uh, yeah. towards it. Um, so, you know, you said you had some anxiety writing this book, and I mean, I totally get that. Did you find that after you wrote it, like, was some of your anxiety released? Some of it was, sure. Um, I think that, that the anxiety I had about writing the book was then replaced with, oh my gosh, now I have to promote this book. <laughs> and, and self-promotion is not a skill that I have nurtured. Um, it, it's something that I find very uncomfortable. But, uh, but yes, definitely. Writing this book was such a cathartic experience and such a 
it was so valuable because it allowed me to uncover uh, bits and pieces of of things in my life that I hadn't that I thought I had really dealt with, but mm-hmm. as I started to write more about them and as I had editors asking me pointed questions about specific situations, I came to realize that there was a lot of stuff that I had not dealt with. There was some residual resentment and bitterness and fear and anger and pain and and all kinds of things that were still uh, lining my soul. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful to be able to be able to just really address some of those those issues and those hurts yeah uh, from a different vantage point you know years later and i was able to really let go of so much that i was still hanging on to um, and yeah. that process freed me up to um, to experience much more freedom and and much less anxiety oh that's great yeah I can see that just kind of opening you up and really finding out so much more um, about yourself and those experiences and so in the book is it um, like do you offer exercises for people or activities for people to do so that they can kind of process those same things or is it just kind of like you're hoping that they'll see how your story is relatable to them. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that question. Um, Because yes, in the book, at the end of every chapter, I have a section called Make It Personal. Because as I said just a few minutes ago, it was so important to me to make sure that when people closed this book, that they had already started the process of applying some of the things that they might have learned or insights they gained from my story to their own story. And so at the end of every chapter, I have a make it personal section and it focuses on, you know, one or two elements that uh, come up in that chapter. And then I give, I give people a task, um, an action item. Um, and, And it starts with, without judgment for yourself. And I was Mm -hmm. very, uh, I chose those words specifically because I think so often we get caught up in judging ourselves for everything. You know, even when we share our own, our pain with ourselves, even when we (laughs) uncover those things for ourselves. So I wanted to say without judgment for yourself, try this. But like right away to acknowledge, am I judging myself right now? What am I feeling right Right. now? Um, And so you have all of these opportunities throughout the book to begin this journey for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. And I do love that you preface it it with, um, you know, to not judge yourself because it's, I mean, yeah, we are so hard on ourselves sometimes, and especially mm-hmm. when we are um, thinking about 
you know, something that we've gone through, it can be really easy to judge ourselves and then mm-hmm. feel shame about something we've done rather than yeah. like moving forward with it. And yeah. Yeah. There's no room. There's no room at the table for joy. If judgment has taken up every seat. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I like that. So tell me more about like, what does joy mean to you? So, you know, in the book, at the very beginning of the book, I make it abundantly clear that joy is something that every person needs to define for themselves. Uh, And so, and that it is something that is organic and ever-changing. So joy is hard to, um, it's hard to describe and it's hard to define because it is complicated. (laughs) Um, and I don't know about you, but most people don't like complicated things. We like to understand everything. (laughs) And so when we can't understand something, we often look to someone else's definition and then try to apply that to our own life. It's like, if we don't understand our purpose, we look to someone else's purpose and then we try to, um, apply their purpose to our life, you know? So, I I say that before I tell you what my joy is, is because my joy is going to be different than your joy. How Mm -hmm. I experience joy is going to be different than how my husband experiences joy. And how I experience joy today is going to be different than how I experience joy tomorrow. So for me, joy is that it's like a knowing. It is this... um, it comes from within. It is spirit born. It is something that for me is directly linked to my faith, directly linked to my, um, my level of hope and where I'm placing my hope. Sometimes joy shows up as the pocket of peace in the middle of a crisis. Sometimes mm-hmm. my joy is um, jubilant and uh, full of nostalgia. It's, it's uh, saturated in gratitude. And other times my joy is, is more nuanced. Uh, it arrives in kind of uh, dressed up in the act of service or the act of empathizing with someone else's pain, which seems strange that I would feel joy when someone else is in pain, but there's something really beautiful about knowing that my pain can encourage someone else when they're in pain. And that process brings me joy. Um, And in the book, I talk a lot about the difference between joy and happiness and the revelations that I had around that when I was going through crisis and when I realized oh my gosh, like there's nothing in my life right now to be happy about. Like I got cancer, my opera career is in the toilet, um, my husband left me, I don't have any money. Like it was, there was not a lot to be happy about. And Mm. I needed to find something else. Otherwise I was not going to survive. And so joy became that the thing that inspired me and helped me thrive instead of just enduring and surviving my circumstances. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, I love that definition because, you know, when you put it like that, I was like, joy is really complicated and it, it is different for everybody. And, you know, lately, like I've been trying to find more moments in my life where I'm trying to appreciate more and consider them to be joyful. And it's almost like, I think that we might overlook moments that we have joy. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. like you have to be more intentional to realize like this is a moment of joy. Like I need to acknowledge this. Otherwise we might miss it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and again, again, it comes that judgment, right? I mean, it's like we're bringing up this idea that we're even judging the way we experience joy. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my joy doesn't look like what I think joy should look like, so it must not be joy. And I must there must be something wrong with me because I don't have joy like she has joy. And and again, yeah, you're you know, it's unique and it's ever changing and it's organic and it's different than happiness. Uh, you know, I describe it in a simp- in the simple way of saying, I love hamburgers. Sorry if you're a vegetarian, but I love them. I mean, they they make me so happy. Like, I would eat hamb- a hamburger every single day of my life if I could. <laughs> and there is, there's, I love thinking about hamburgers. I, I, I mean, I love everything about them. So yeah. eating a hamburger makes me really, really happy. Mm-hmm. Eating a hamburger doesn't bring me joy. Now, remembering occasions that I shared a meal with my husband eating an amazing um, hamburger and feeling gratitude around having that connection, that brings me joy. Yeah. You see the difference? Yeah. Happiness, it's yeah, a happiness has distinction. Right. And happiness has an expiration date. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Joy yeah. never expires. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> and so, I mean, and right now, I mean, 2020 has been a crazy year for everybody. Mm-hmm. So everyone is experiencing new challenges and it feels so complicated. What are some things that people can do to really embrace this idea of joy? Mm. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. You know, I think that that's the first thing I would say is to acknowledge that it's hard. Mm-hmm. To give yourself a break. I mean, that's what I have to do to myself. I have yeah. to remind myself that it's hard. We are saturated in grief um, in so many ways right now. Um, this world is is full of uncertainty and hate and discord um, and suffering so it's difficult it's hard right now to find those moments of joy Um, so that's the first thing I would say is is get real about it be real with yourself um, and be kind to yourself and I am a strong believer that to get real about joy you must first get real about suffering Um, To get real about your purpose, you must first get real about your pain. And what I mean by that is if you think about it in a way that, you know, we have this glass. You know, you hear people, a lot of people say, you know, my glass is half full, my glass is full, however you want to see it. But 
you know, you have this glass. And yeah. if we're filled up with fear and uncertainty and pain and resentment and, uh, you know, pain, suffering and all these things, and we put joy on top, the joy is going to be the first thing to fall out. But if we take it the opportunity of digging down, digging down into that pain, into that bitterness, into that fear, into that resentment, and getting real with it. Now, not dwelling in it, but getting real with it, saying, this is how I'm feeling. Again, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, this idea of being vulnerable, not just with others, but with ourselves. Yeah. Then we have the opportunity to excavate that get that out and fill ourselves up with joy. So joy and peace and love become the, the base of our cup. And so then, yeah, yeah fear and stuff, those, are, those things are going to come, and we can just acknowledge them when they do. We can say, hey, yeah, you know, today I'm feeling a little fearful. Okay, great. Well, what am I feeling fearful about? Write those things down. Say them out loud into the mirror. Whatever, whatever works for you. Draw a picture. You know, whatever your method of of communicating that fear to the world is, do that for yourself, and then let it go. You know, um, for me, you know, I my time of prayer is really important, and so in the mornings I will really think about where's my joy quotient today is it high is it low you know what's take making what's taking up space in my life that i could get rid of so that there would be more room for joy today and so that process means i have to think about those things and then i you know pray about them i you know think about them in my morning meditation i really and like, listen, today I'm feeling really fearful. Today my anxiety is really high. And yet, I still want to choose joy today. And so that process of getting real with the pain and getting real with the sorrow and getting real with the suffering allows us to then get real with the joy. And just beginning to acknowledge that it's difficult, number one, Number two, being vulnerable and transparent with ourselves about what we're feeling begins to make room so that we can then say, you know, what does joy look like for me today? Yeah. And once you can ask yourself that question without judgment, you can say, you know, like today, today joy really, really is showing up by me having gratitude for the family that I have right now, for the job that I have right now, for um, the moment that I have right now. Uh, perhaps joy, perhaps joy is showing up. Um, perhaps you need joy or you want joy to show up for you um, today as really a, a level of peace. And so if it's peace that you're wanting and that you're seeking, well, then you can make some choices to contribute to your peace. Well, what's not contributing to your peace? What can you do or get rid of or add to your life that will help to give you more peace? 
Yeah. Well, that process is going to contribute to your joy. Um, but it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I really love that analogy with the um, cup because I always do things like things that like fill my cup. Yeah. And, you know, if it's filled with challenges and then like you try to put the joy just on top, you know, the joy is going to leave quicker than the challenges. And I yeah. like it's, it's so um, important. I like how you are like, you know, you have to really acknowledge the challenges that you're going through and, um, you know, explore what's going on there. Because I think so many times people think they have to choose of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, choose joy, but that then I'm in denial of like everything else mm-hmm. that's, you know, not going well, but to really spend some time thinking of like, well, what is it that I really need today to like, that will bring me that joy. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is like, you've got to actually make room for it because mm-hmm. with everything going on, you know, there's not room for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times people will say, you know, well, I don't have room for that. You know, I, I'm yeah. too busy and I am uh, guilty of this. I am uh, in the book. I talk about, the fact that I have the spirit of busyness and it's like, I am that type of person that can be laying on a beach, you know, with a book, you know, just in a beautiful place and still feel like everything is busy. (laughs) You know, I, (laughs) I, uh, I have the spirit of busyness and I think that we as a, as a culture, um, are, are suffering from the spirit of busyness and we think that when success is um, we equate excess success often with productivity and uh, really we get to decide we can define what success looks like every day for ourselves and if productivity, you might be very productive, but not have very much peace or joy. So then you get to ask yourself the question, well, am I willing to give up peace and joy for productivity? And yeah. is just being productive really success? Is that really my definition of success? Um, And so the idea of being able, giving ourselves permission to do less so we can experience more is a a beautiful thing. And when we give ourselves permission to do less, we are modeling that behavior for the people in our life. We're modeling it for our kids, for our partners, for our coworkers, for our family members. We are giving the people in our lives permission to also do less. We're saying it's okay. You can do less. Yeah. (laughs) So you can experience more. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I am such, I am also guilty of being a spirit of busy and (laughs) it is definitely hard not to be, you know, because our world is very like, you should always be doing something and that means you're successful, but to really reevaluate what that means. And I totally agree. Like the more that you do it and you give yourself permission, 
then it you're giving other people permission to do it as well. Like, see, look, it's I really can, you know, get more out of less. You can too. <laughs> like, you don't yeah. have to be on the go all the time. And yeah, it's like you you want to make room for joy. Like, why why would you want to keep room for the negative stuff that doesn't make you feel good? Mm-hmm. Right, and then I think it also gives us the opportunity to kind of be kind to other people when they're trying to set their own boundaries, right? Because it's, it's a learning, we all, it's a learning curve for all of us. So we're, it's not like we're going to be great at it right away. So that right. means that when someone who's close to you cancels on you, right, and says, you know what, man, I, I just, I can't, I can't make lunch. I, I know that I said I would, and I know it's last minute, but I, I'm just really overwhelmed, and I just need an hour for myself. Instead of feeling slighted and being angry with that friend, now you have the opportunity to say, well, I'm so proud of you for acknowledging that you needed some time alone. And I'm, I find it, um, I'm really thankful that you felt comfortable canceling on me um, because yeah. that, that shows that you, you know, you feel like our friendship is, is deep. And so I just want to, how can I support you? Um, this week in, you know, spending some alone time, getting some time alone. And and so then again, it's not about like, oh, she canceled on me or he canceled on me. No, it's like, wow, like, how can I empower my friend to make room for joy in their own life? Right. Ah, that's such a good example, because I can totally relate to that. Like being, you know, on the side of like, I want to cancel because I need time for myself, but I don't want them to be mad at me. But then right. on the other side of like, you know, wanting to be understanding if people do have yeah. to change plans and yeah, yeah, so much into that. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, so can whole, what? we can have a whole podcast about that. <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, I feel like I could talk to you forever. There's so many things. <laughs> but what message do you hope to leave with people right now? I mean, the real message, I think, uh, at least for myself, that I am um, grasping onto for 2020 is um, that every single moment we are gifted is a destination. Mm-hmm. We, we spend so much time, and by we, I mean me, spend so much time focused on the future focused on the future plans, the, the future without the pandemic, the future with more money, the future with kids, the future with whomever, whatever, that we often forget the power of the present. Yeah. And there is purpose and power in acknowledging that today is a gift. And whether or not you're even leaving your house today, it's still a gift. And so when we can begin to believe and truly embrace the idea that every single moment is a destination, all of a sudden, little things become bursts of joy. All of a sudden, when you're sitting down to have a conversation with someone you've never met and you brew a fresh cup of coffee and the sun is coming in and, and um, hitting your face and warming you up like it is happening for me right now, all of a sudden I'm noticing those things and I'm realizing 
this is a beautiful moment. And some day when I'm having a not so beautiful moment, I can remember this moment and remind myself that uh, these moments exist. Um, and so I really hope that people will embrace every moment that they're given and ask themselves the question, what is joy? What does joy look like for me today? Um, and then do something small to make room for it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's such a good <laughs> message. <laughs> oh my gosh, seriously, I could like keep talking to you forever. Oh, <laughs> well, we can do it here. We can, we can, yes. Talk about something else. Yes, I mean, there's just so much to unpack with your story and all that you've like been through and then just like your messages. I mean, so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah, like your the things you talked about just like seriously right up my alley with like oh. yeah. So, thank you. Well, they're right up my alley too, so I am I am the I am perfectly imperfect. <laughs> I would say whatever whatever I'm sharing with others, I'm sharing with myself as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, I needed to remind myself of that mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah, I uh, totally agree. Well, thank you so much. I, yeah, I can't thank you enough for this. This has been great. Oh, so wonderful. Yeah. And of course, um, you can, my, my publicist would be very upset if I didn't say you can find my book, um, every, <laughs> everywhere on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And it's all, you can, um, also stream it, um, uh, not stream it, listen to it. Uh, and I actually narrate it um, on all major, wherever you get your audio books, it's available. You can also um, buy it from my website, of course, VanessaJoyWalker.com. And you can connect with me on my social media platforms, um, Vanessa Joy Walker, at Vanessa Joy Walker, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and I, you know, I just love to, I like to connect with people. Wow. This conversation with Vanessa left me with so many aha moments. I hope you got something out of it. And I hope that you check out her book, Make Room for Joy, because we only scratched the surface with our conversation today. Um, So please check out her book, connect with her. I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the BU podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and write me a review. I would love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at beautifulchick or on my website, beautifulchick.com. Remember, be you, be beautiful.